0: Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with Chief Data Officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, you're going to hear from a panel of federal data experts on data maturity as the building blocks to fielding artificial intelligence. This is a conversation I moderated at ATARC's AI and Data Summit earlier this month. You'll first hear from the Deputy Chief Data Officer at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, Damien Caustic.
1: We've done our exploration and experimentation into how to work with immigrants uh, through their user experience through our website and how to facilitate questions and route them appropriately. And we have also have a number of situations where we're trying to look at whether it's photographs, documents, but always to be able to help facilitate and expedite the processing.
0: I'm going to do the unorthodox step of actually making sure my recorder is rolling in the background, but Alexis, please do introduce us while I do that quick bit of administrative work.
2: Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Alexis Banks. I'm an IT specialist uh, with the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. Um, My background is in mathematics, economics, data analytics, and data visualizations. As far as our agency, right now, a use case, I won't get too specific since we can't talk about everything, but... Facial recognition. So one unique thing that we use for facial recognition is making sure we can store all of these different documents. And the best way, we've implemented an AI program so that it can recognize different signatures, different fonts, names, pictures. But it's very interesting with facial recognition because a lot of people think of it as it's just for people. When in actuality, we can use it for all different things, um, and this helps to speed up the process, especially when we're thinking about a library, and we have all these different documents, and if you think of it manually, it would take days after days, if not years, to try and organize all of this different old data, when we can just use a software that can recognize it for us. So we're continuing to use move forward with that, um, and I'm looking forward to that project
0: thanks Alexis. and the good news is we are recording so we did get that suman over to you
3: sure good afternoon everyone Uh, i am suman shukla i work as a section head data management at copyright office at library of congress we have lots of use cases since we are the biggest repository of data for copyright office and i won't call a silo we i call it a center of excellence scattered all over the division that we need to connect the dots our strategic goal is bring data online, make it accessible, and use it for data-driven decision-making. And we have multiple legacy systems that are totally in separate excellence modes that do not talk to each other. So there is a lack of information sharing that needs to be connected and bring things online. That's, that's one thing. But there's a lot of information sitting in drawers. We have 41 million card catalogs sitting in drawers that has handwritten data, that has a typed data, that has printed information. And the handwriting varies over a period of time, whoever worked on that at at certain specific policy times. So the biggest challenge for us is to capture those images, extract the metadata, and do a real-time keyword search to figure out which information we are looking from a remote location. You know, people who have done the copyright work, they do not have to come physically in the building to pull the drawers, look at the car to find out what work has been done. So that's something really intrigued my interest into pulling some AI aspect to look into those uh, images and digitize them, bring, put it online, and extract the metadata for uh, some kind of keyword search. Right now we did some crowdsourcing, We that that's going to take a long time for a, a person to sit and look at every card. We use some OCR technology, optical character recognition, to capture those images. Again, they have a limitation with the handwritten data, so that's where I am and I'm trying to figure out how we can promote the legacy systems, sunset them, moving into a new systems and integrate the data and create a robust search engine so we can have some kind of algorithm behind it
4: to bring everything together. Thank
0: you. Thanks for that, Suman. And Suman, over to you.
4: Thank you. Um, again, my name is Sun Pham. I am a senior actuary at the Risk Management Agency. For those who may never have heard of the Risk Management Agency, we are a small agency within the USDA, and we are responsible for running the federal crop insurance program. Most people are also surprised to find out about that as well. So I'm from the state of Kansas, so I'm going to take this back away from the, you know, the rest of the, the the panelists. But when you think about something as fundamental as the food that we eat every single day, you know, it's coming from farm and in my mind there is no one else in the world who truly understand the value of data better than farmers, because farmers have been collecting data on their field now for, you know, over 100 years. In fact, in, within the USDA, there are two federal principal statistical agencies. There's NAS, the National Agricultural Statistical Service, and then there's the Economic Research Service. And all that data has been collected on a field, you know, on farms for over a very, very long time it has been used to inform data-driven decision-making. We're entering a new phase where climate change is affecting right, everything around us. And so as we're thinking about ahead within the USDA, we're trying to figure out how to leverage the data that we already have, how to use the things that we already have, and to continue collecting more more data right, so that we can inform the decision-making. Because at the end of the day, the goal of the USDA right, is to ensure a
0: safe, affordable food supply because we all have to eat. Swan, thank you so much yeah, for that. And yeah. Suman, you were raising a point that I think would probably be great to get the rest of the panel's thoughts on, and that's information sharing, and that's data sharing. That's kind of the foundational layer to this whole AI business that we're talking about. Damien, I imagine CDO shops are spending a little bit of time on that. So just tell us more about what it takes to make sure that data sharing is happening within the agency and with agency partners.
1: Absolutely. One of the neat things, actually, I was very happy when the, the legislation came out that created the CDOs for the DHS. And- across the federal government. And in particular, where our key projects is, of course, is data sharing, but also nestled right with that is data management. Uh, So I really have to kind of hit on that. If we're going to be able to do any of the AI ML projects and actually just solve a lot of basic problems around the agency, even even before you get to ML and AI, you got to have the data to solve the problem. And so we've actively gone out, created whole basic catalogs of MOUs, because sometimes it's actually kind of disorganized in the past and it's been all over the place. But we've done a lot of due diligence to try and consolidate that, make sure there's good controls over it. And in particular, when MOUs, and I will emphasize when MOUs have been signed and we've negotiated them, they've always included huge elements on data standards and data quality requirements. Now, oftentimes you may be here, data quality in ISAs, right? We need it in certain form, you need it in certain structure for your JSON code or whatever. But in particular, we're really emphasizing is trying to get data standards across all of DHS and the federal space. So for example, we all need to share across the federal government logins by citizens. And we need logins to be able to work across all those spaces so that people can take advantage of the benefits that they can. So that requires high grade data standards and data quality to feed all of, whether they're models or rules-based, right? How are the heuristics, however they are? You still need high quality data in all of those situations. So I could probably put in some other spins, but I'd love to hear what my colleagues have to say.
0: Yeah, Alexis, let's hear more about what that foundational work looks like over at your agency.
2: Sure. So over uh, with EPA, we try to make sure the data quality, as my coworker said, is the best of its quality. We are very interested in data sharing and making sure that Everyone is on the same page. We try our best to always follow other agencies as well So we continue to work with DOD and follow their agency policy and we have a few projects uh, that I can't quite get into but we can't really move forward without sharing data So we can't make the best model without having the best data and the only way to do that is to work together so moving forward um I am looking forward to working with the other agencies and following their standards and hearing what they've been working on as well. Because we all have different types of projects, but we want to make sure we also monitor that data and make sure it's as accurate as possible. And so with the agency, um, I'm just looking really forward to our governance team that we have as we continue talks with other agencies.
0: Well, Suman, I know you brought up the notion of data sharing in the conversation in the first place, but is there any further element of that you want to dive into here as
3: Sure. So at our agency, we did some data management initiative to study where do we stand now. Unless we know where we are today, we cannot move forward. We need to know the gap, that if we are here, we have to be at a certain point, what are we missing here? So we did an initial analysis of our current state, what legacy systems we have, what data sets we have, what systems we are working with, what information, what classification of information we can implement. So for example, you know, there's data you can just publish online, free open data policy. There could be some information that has FOIAble information, but not readily available to public. There's information that's agency only sharing or within you know, the team sharing or there are classified information you cannot share at all. So we needed to assess ourselves as is. We did that assessment. We created enterprise uh, data model. We created the data dictionary and some data models for our existing system to understand where we are. And then from there, we created a strategy to move forward by sunsetting some of the legacy systems, classifying the data, and going to the newer systems. The challenge with the legacy system was reverse engineering them, since, you know, when it was implemented, who implemented no longer is there. Maybe there's no documentation. Maybe there's no correlation between different systems. So reverse engineering those systems to build a future system that meets our need and that fills the gap that was in the previous system. So that's where we are right now. We did publish some data sets online, women in copyright. So technically that's more about, you know, the finding about, or the creative works that have been copyrighted by women. So we recently published that data. We are in process of identifying few data sets that will benefit um, uh, publishers or, you know, people who want to copyright their work or, or, you know, people who are interested in that data sets so they can download the subsets and, and do research on that. So we are, you know, in a slow process to that, but we are on that path.
0: That was Suman Shukla, the Data Management Section Head at the U.S. Copyright Office. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation in a moment. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. Back to All About Data, we're going to jump back into our ATARP panel discussion and hear from a senior actuary at USDA's risk management agency, Swan Fan.
4: So within the risk management agency, I think in that data management journey, we are pretty mature. We just happen to inherit, you know, really good foresight. And just like Damien said, you know, you can't really make decisions unless you have good data management, right? Like, you know, people talk about garbage in, garbage out, right? You, you, you have that issues. And so we've... As an organization, as an agency, we have built really a great structure to collect that data at the field level and to be able to know exactly what's going on. And so because of that, we benefit from a lot. If you go to our website on any given day, you can see our book of business. It's updated every Monday every Monday, you can see where we are in that, you know, where our book of business is for the, that year. You can get very detailed information, you know, that we have provided. Not, obviously, no, there is no farmer information that is being released here because we do value privacy, and that is confidential information, but you can get information such as in a certain crop, in a certain county, what was the cost of loss, you know, how much of that, that loss is there, and you can download it in machine-readable format, you can plug it in, you can do whatever you want to do with it, right? So, um, like I said, that, you know I was not there for that really difficult journey right but mm-hmm. as uh, you know as someone who's coming in um, we benefit a lot from having that right that mm-hmm. foresight that, that leadership that has, has happened you know over multiple decades.
0: You bring up this great point about not just the data maturity part of things which is essential but then you know that paying dividends when you need to put the data into action when you need to get the right data to the right people in the right place at the right time, let's hear what that means for all of your agencies. I'd love to hear getting that data in action and making sure it's in a good enough shape when you absolutely need it in a, you know, an emerging
1: situation. You know, in the past, right, if you had to spend uh, nine months just trying to work on cleaning up the data before you could even get to your project, you're not exactly gonna be helping the American people very quickly, um, right? And sometimes a project will take two years to get off the front. However, I will say that because of, again, being benefactors of all the years and years of work on data management, it's been amazing to me, honestly. I'll just do a loop back. In 2010, I remember taking like two years to get a certain project done, all right? Jump forward 2022, because the data quality was so much better, because the data sharing agreements were in place and we had connections across all the other kind of immigration space, Um, We were able to get projects done in two weeks, which I swear would have been uh, at least nine months in a a previous era. Um, And that was really gone to the advancements of having data lake architecture, of having uh, cluster computing. But also, again, critically, the data were good coming in. And so we could make good decisions quickly and get the information we needed, either whether it was statistical to leadership for making policy decisions or to operators to actually just get the job done. And in both those cases, all those advancements around data sharing just couldn't have happened. And also, the ability, again, with the data sharing, that's also complicit on the IT of being able to actually get the data from one place to another without things like sneaker net and (laughs) SFTP servers and stuff like that. We've gotten much better, so very happy to have seen all that and been a benefactor of
4: you know, one of the recent example I can think of within my agency is that in the last maybe two years, we have seen a lot of of situation where there have been hurricane, there have been wildfire, there have been a lot of disaster event, and Congress have passed um, you know appropriation to you know to help farmer, right? You know, really just getting back on their feet so they can continue farming well when you think about something in an appropriation an amount that is appropriated well you still have to deliver that you still have to deliver that to farmers somehow and because we have really great data management we have information from farmers who have bought crop insurance we were able to utilize that information and get that payment out the door very quickly to give an example, if a farmer was going to come into a county office and spend an entire day filling out an application by paper, that could take hours and hours of work. And what we've done is that because we have that data, we pre-filled the application for them. All they have to do was look at it, check it, make sure it was correct, right? and that was it. That, you know, so instead of, get, of taking, you know, taking months and months, we were able to reduce that time down to weeks. And that is huge
0: yeah it really speaks to that emergency situation which you know seems like that's a common element to most your agencies there there is some sort of emergency response nature to it alexis case in point you know it seems to be very much what your section of EPA deals with
2: there are constant needs all the time for data accuracy to be on a certain schedule that a lot of folks kind of don't understand and so at the same time as we've heard from previous panels data changes every day and so if we think of the environment i mean we have hurricanes, we have tornadoes we have all of this stuff that feeds into one of your branches to help people uh, specifically FEMA so it's very important for folks to get that data on time and so they can make you know impactful decisions. Now there's this whole cycle of how we do that. So we collect the data, we have to clean the data, we have to organize the data. But for certain agencies, we have data placed in all these different places that we need to be able to compile them all in one place so that we do have a quicker system. It's just how do you do that? And so um, moving forward, we have kind of minimized the time. And that's the whole point. Try to get things to work faster. But at the same time, the humane part is just making sure it is accurate.
0: And, uh, Suman, I'll confess, I don't know what an emergency constitutes at the U.S. Copyright Office, but that's not to say that things don't emerge.
3: Well, we do have emergencies in the event when somebody has, you know, filed a litigation and they are contesting the copyright work. We have an immediate emergency to provide all kind of information related to that work in court. And the data is not just current data or not in one point of time data. So any copyright work is copyrighted for the life of the author plus 70 years. So we need to have any information related to that copyright work that is in litigation or has some kind of a case involved with that. We have to go back to all the years back when it was copyrighted or if, if there was a transfer or if this was a work for hire or all related information we need to have on hand to provide ad, you know, immediate attention. So our data cannot just be just archived and left behind. It has to be archived in a way that we can retrieve any time, any point of time when needed for such situations. So we do have not. Every time, but we do have such emergencies. But you know, definitely, availability of data is very important, and that too, are real quality data, and especially for copyright office, we can't even say that you know you can blockchain things because, uh, say, for example, an image which has been copyrighted. If you change the time and the uh, graphics or even the pixels, it's not the same original work. It changes. So for us, every instance counts. So for us, that data accuracy means a lot. And to make sure that data quality is there, we need data governance. For data governance, we do need whole kind of data management, data privacy, data accuracy, unbiased algorithm to make sure that we have right kind of output. So uh, yes, it's important for us too.
0: All right. And you hit yet another key phrase here, the unbiased algorithm. And I think when people think about AI and government, they immediately go to, how can I trust it? You know, can you show your, your math behind how the algorithm works? And that seems to be front of mind for a lot of people. So in terms of that traceability, in terms of that uh, trackability, in terms of that transparency, I think that's all the T's I have. What are you guys doing to ensure that that is part and parcel of the AI work that
1: you guys are doing? A lot of people have had conversations around data tagging, and that will obviously take huge amounts of time. So to some degree, there's that that funny iterative loop. You can use AI to actually do your categorization and classification uh, in order to properly data tag. But at a certain point, there's still a human element. Um, (laughs) So, uh, There's a union of those two elements that kind of fuse. But I'll say, yes, those have been one of the things that we have to talk about with AI and ML, right? This is not the first, right, conference that's talked about the topic. And if we go back to our original statistics books, right, probabilistic statistics have been going on for many decades. And because of that, we've had to have traceability, but also even preceding all of this stuff, right, coming to the, to the modern era, right, are all the policies on privacy and proper use. For example, we have plenty of uh, data that can only be used for non-law enforcement purposes, and we have data that can only be used for law enforcement purposes, and they have to be very much bifurcated. They cannot see each other. So there are natural limits, per se, to what you could do, but we adhere adamantly to that. And as a consequence, you have to have very good data management in order to make sure that you don't spill and have those two bits mingle. Um, so data tagging, absolutely, we've had that in place. Thankfully that preceded the C- our, you know, our office, the CDO, but there's also other privacy considerations, of course, to go in there. Long before all of the, the current AI and uh, you know, standards have come out and I'm definitely looking forward to what NIST comes out with in terms of uh, cryptology and, and other types of standards that come out. That was Damian Kostic, the Deputy Chief Data Officer for
0: U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Special thanks to ATART for letting me moderate this panel and other panels we've promoted in our show feed. You can find more episodes of All About Data on federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio. Part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.